Well, good morning, everyone. If I can get this pulpit here. All right. Well, it's uh, graduation Sunday, and you can see some of the graduates there. We're going to celebrate them. Uh, Mostly second service are going to be here. We're going to be able to pray over them. And we're just excited uh, to have so many great kids. Each one of those kids um, are special kids, and I'm thankful for each one of them. And we're also so grateful for the, what we just witnessed, um, you know, Ruby being baptized into Jesus Christ. And I know that there's not just family here, um, but I know the church family that is very excited about that decision. And Ruby's such a special young lady. I know God's got some huge plans for her. And um, if you see her on uh, one of those Ninja Warrior courses, you would just be amazed. Uh, how talented that young lady is, but she's got a heart uh, that is so huge that it beats for the Lord as well. So thankful for that decision today. So graduation Sunday, and I don't know if you can remember back to your graduation, and there's a few younger folks in here that are looking forward to that day. I found this song by Matthew West. I wanted to read it because it goes along with what I wanted to share with the graduates today, but also the theme that I wanted them to I don't know, just take hold of as they're, you know, kind of at a fork in their life, kind of at a crossroads in their life. And we're excited about some of the direction and trajectory that God has them on. And so we, I found this song by Matthew West, and it just says this. I hope you take it with a little bit of sense of humor as well. But it says, may life never be able to quench your thirst. May you always remember to smell it first. May your grammar never be amiss. Just remember that you and God got this. Climb that mountain, chase your dreams. With great power comes great responsibility. You are the future, so run that race. Don't be a loser who comes in second place. Climb that mountain. Go on and take your life by the horns. Don't make your parents regret the day you were born. Go on and let your wild dreams take flight, and for Pete's sake, stop playing Fortnite. (laughs) And oh, the places you will see. And I I made this a little bit of, um, uh, put a little of our own uh, flavor into this. I'm pretty sure you won't, won't, uh, they won't be Romans and Christian night at 180. And oh, the people you will meet won't be as cool as Jeff teaching in his bare feet. Climb that mountain, chase your dreams. With great power comes great responsibility. You are the future, so run that race. Don't be a loser that comes in second place. Climb that mountain. And of course, that was written with graduates in mind. But I know it's also, there's a lot of stuff uh, in today's message that I know that God is challenging me with, and I hope that he challenges you today with these words that uh, I feel like God's given to me. We all have mountains to climb, don't we? Each one of us. In fact, some of you are probably, you know, know a mountain right now that just seems too steep and too hard to get up. And you know that you need some help. And so we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy 4, and I want you to focus on those mountains in your life. And 2 Timothy 4 gives us such great words of wisdom and great words of power, great words of encouragement. And um, of course, Paul is talking to Timothy and these some of the last words that he shares with him on this earth. And so he says this, in, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in, the, in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared 
in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not be not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will, re- will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And then we're going to skip to verse 17. And this is our verse to the graduates today. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from evil from the evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And those words were recorded were some of the last words that not only Paul told Timothy or shared with Timothy, but they were some of the last words that Paul shared on this earth. He was being, um, he was going to die shortly. He was going to be beheaded, as history would tell us. He was pouring himself out as a sacrifice. And I think that, that that last message is very appropriate. You know, a lot of teens, a lot of graduates come through here, and we pour into them, all right? And we hopefully prepare them for, for what this world has to throw at them. So many times, it's the last time that we get to share with them. All right, and God has them going in all different directions, and we just pray that the Lord, that they allow the Lord to take them where they're supposed to go and to be with them and to protect them and to guide them. And Paul's basically saying in this verse, he's saying, it is your time. Rise up. This journey will be well worth it in the end. It won't be easy, so be ready. He's kind of passing on that torch of faith. And he's telling them that this climb that you're about to take, it takes preparation. No, no, uh, no one ever climbed a mountain worth climbing without training first. And in 2 Timothy 4.2, he says, Preach the word and be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And I don't want to confuse you know, what God is after here. He has called each one of us to be like him, to be Christ-like. And that definitely takes a lot of preparation. He tells us to be like Christ and to be unlike anyone else in this world. Unlike anyone else in the 7 billion person world. He says in Acts 1.8, it says in order to be that, he says you're going to be my witnesses. In Matthew 28, it says go, go and make disciples of all nations. I love St. Francis of Assisi who said this, he says, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. To live that life out that Christ has for each one of us takes preparation. And Paul tells, him, t- Paul tells Timothy in, 
In 1 Timothy 4, he says, train yourself to be godly. Go into training. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and that life to come. And in this verse, Paul's urging his brother Timothy to train himself for godliness the same way a disciplined athlete would train for a big event or a big game coming up. It wouldn't just affect that game day, it would affect all areas of his life. It would affect how much sleep he got, what he ate, what he read. It would affect his mind, it would affect his body, it would affect his preparation, it would affect his whole life. And that's what he's telling Paul here, and that's what he's telling each one of us. Our life in Christ, our preparation to become Christ-like, our preparation to climb that mountain that God has for us is going to take full life transformation. Full life transformation. We need to passionately pursue purpose. Passionately pursue purpose. There's three most important days of your life. The day that you were born. Your parents know what a miracle you are. Maybe some of you have had kids already. You know what a miracle that process is. Your parents gave you a home. They gave you a name. They gave you an identity. But all of those were temporary. Just try living in your parents' basement when you're 45. All right? It doesn't work out so well. All those things were temporary. At some point, you need to decide, hey, what direction am I supposed to go? What do I believe? Not just what my parents believe, but what do I believe? Who am I? That second most important day is that day that you were reborn. We just witnessed that through Ruby. Second most important day of her life, that day when Christ came in. You gave your life to Christ, and he gave you a name, and he gave you a home, and he gave you an identity, for your citizenship is not here in this world. But your citizenship is in heaven through Christ Jesus. And then that third most important day is this, the day that you realize why you were born. What has God put you on this earth to do? What has God put you on this earth to be? How has he called you to and given and uniquely gifted you to impact this world for Jesus Christ? And I mean, it's a huge, huge thing to passionately pursue that purpose. I mean, God envisioned a bright future for Abraham, the father of a great nation, but it was on the mountaintop that he discovered that it was the Lord that provides, and only him. It was Moses that he was charged to lead a great nation, but it was on the mountaintop that God gave him the tools to lead his way, the best way, and it was Jesus who came to save that great nation But it was on the mountaintop of Calvary that his disciples discovered that it was through his blood and his blood alone that would save us all from our sins. And I know that there is a great climb for each one of us, and there's going to be many highs and lows along the way. And the question is this, is how passionately are we going to pursue that purpose? How important is it to us, and are we ready to take that climb? Because to become that person God is calling us to be, to live it out, and to even discover our purpose, we're going to need to go go through a lot of hardships and trials. There's going to be a lot of sacrifice and setbacks. And that climb 
that we're just supposed to take, it's going to take perseverance. You've heard the phrase, smooth seas don't make a good, don't make a good sailor. And there's no easy button in this path to purpose. In 2 Timothy 4, 5 through 7, he says this. He says, but you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry, for I am ready, already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. I've been reading this book called Puke and Rally. Sounds like a great book, doesn't it? Puke and Rally is by Dr. Rob Bell, and, and the, the premise of the book is, is this. He goes on a 50-kilometer run. I couldn't imagine going on a 50-kilometer run, 50-kilometer race. And he says about the 20-mile mark or the 20-kilometer mark, all of a sudden, he just starts not feeling good. All right? And, and he's starting to get dehydrated in spite of his best efforts. He thinks, you know what? If I can just make it to the 30-kilometer mark, I know my family is going to be there. I'll gain encouragement from them. I'll be able to make it if I can just make it there. He says he struggles to that mark. He finally gets there. His family is waiting for him. They want to cheer him on. But all he can do is throw up. He uncontrollably cannot stop. He said that his, it said it was awful. His kids were sobbing, you know, uncontrollably. They, they couldn't stand to see their father like this. His wife was beside herself saying, you're done. You're stopping this race. And, and he was. She went to the official and said, he's done. He's not going any, any further. They, they hopped in their, in their vehicle and uh, they went back to their cabin, which wasn't too far away from that place. He said that he got some fluids in him and he laid down and, and he took a nap. He said 30 minutes later he woke up. And he couldn't stand. Sorry. He couldn't stand the thought of his kids seeing him quit. And he said he felt better. And he said with conviction to his wife, I'm going back. I'm finishing the race. He said he got there just in time before they were closing everything up and he was able to finish that, that race. In this book, he says that life is this. It's not about the setbacks, but it's about the comeback. He says life is hard. Success is not guaranteed. There are no shortcuts. And if you want success... You will puke. Pandemics. Business failures. Financial hardships. Loss of confidence. Depression. Social anxiety. Medical problems. Disease. Housing issues. Addiction. Getting passed over. Fired. Fear. Criticism. Moving. Stress. Family troubles. The list goes on. We've all been there. We will puke. So many just enter this race, though, and just try to avoid puking. They play it as safe as possible. But no one has ever won. No one has ever found victory by running the QB sneak every play. You've got to take risk. No one, everyone knows that the prevent defense only prevents you from winning doesn't it? 
It's too risky to play this life safe. Life was meant to be lived in purpose And the purpose of life is to have purpose. Valuable things should have high prices. And I feel like purpose should also have a high price. And no one has ever climbed a mountain worth climbing and said, that was easy. Physical pain comes from challenging our bodies. And that definitely injuries and aging add to it. I'm finding that out so very um, much lately. Emotional pain comes from challenging our hearts and minds. Disappointment and memories add to it. And I read a blog by Brian Kite almost every day. And the other day he shared these words. He said, a great life is not marked by the absence of pain. A great life has plenty of pain. The question to ask yourself is this. What does this pain contain? The struggle that seeds growth? The lesson that creates wisdom? the scar that tells the story, the hunger that launches the hunt, the competition that drives survival, the isolation that leads to cooperation, the frustration that sparks change, the forgiveness that heals the heart, the grace that grows compassion, the cost of living is some degree of pain, and in that pain is also the gift of life. Paul says it this way to James. He says to consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be complete and not lacking anything. We need trials. We need setbacks. We need hardships. And we definitely need to puke every once in a while. You see, if your hearts are right and your eyes are fixed and focused on Christ, we're going to find joy in those times because we'll be able to say, you know what? God is on the move. And we need him for those times. We cannot walk through those times alone. We need him. And understand that this climb takes His power takes power. In verses 17 and 18, he says, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Think of what Paul went through in his journey. So that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. I want us to know that we don't start building our house just when we get our first job. Joshua tells us to choose this day whom we will serve. Christ tells us to pick up our cross daily and follow him. And the question is this, so who are you? What are you all about? The task that lies ahead of each one of us, no matter where we're at in this journey, is not easy. Every step is critical, and it's scary to say this, but there's some things that there is no way that that this world or people in our lives can prepare us enough for. Satan is very real, and he knows each of our weaknesses. He will do anything to derail our plan. So what is it going to take 
And if you could ask for anything to help you along the way, what would it be? Would it be a stronger faith? Would it be more determination? Would it be wisdom? Would it be a better work ethic? I want to say that all those things are good, but I want to know each one of us that defines success in this world in God's eyes. The power is already in each one of you. Because you don't have to fear. In 2 Timothy 1, 7, it says, For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. And I want to, you know, that fear keeps us so often from being all that God calls us to be. It keeps us from living out our purpose. And there's, uh, we want to step into the light, but a lot of times we're just afraid. And there's 10 words, the 10 words that keep us in the dark. 10 words that we allow ourselves to live by. 10 words that hold us back from being who we're called to be. 10 words that are the number one reason that we get embarrassed or hold back. 10 words that are the definition of being cool or succumbing to peer pressure. And they are this. What will others, what will other people say? And what will other people think? And those 10 words so often keep us from being the person God's called us to be. Like Christ and unlike anyone else in this world, we are to stand out in this world. We are to be a light on a hill. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And just remember that you, each one of us, are equipped through Christ for everything that we need. The power is already in us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The power is in you. You have everything you need to make an impact. God said that he will never leave us nor forsake us. You have everything that you need because he is there. The, whole, the same Holy Spirit that uh, Jesus promised to his disciples now lives in you. You have everything that you need. He lives inside of you. Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. The power is in you. You have everything that you need, and he has a plan for you, and it's a good and pleasing plan, because his way is the best way. Second Peter 1 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. The power is in you. You have every, everything you need to climb this mountain that God has called you to climb. Psalm 24 says, Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? Who shall stand in this holy place? The man with clean hands and, and, and pure, who desires not worthless things. So this morning I ask, what mountain is God calling you to climb? How is he preparing you? Any, any mountain worth climbing takes preparation how are you doing persevering through that climb? No one's ever got to the top of the mountain and said that was easy. How are you relying on God's power? That mountain to live out God's purpose.
cannot be done alone. We need him. And I don't want any one of us to get to the end of this life and to say, you know what? I wish I would have. I wish I would have followed him. I know that his way is the best way. I want each one of us to be able to get to the end of the life and like Paul, be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. Know that God has so many good things in store for each one of us that's willing to climb that mountain and say, God, I am yours. I'm yours alone. Do with me what you want. Pour me out like a drink offering. I'm here to impact this world and live out the purpose that you have called me to. Maybe there's someone here today that has never said yes to Jesus Christ, never allowed him to be a part of who they are and where they're going. You're just saying, you know what? I need to make him number one in my life. And I invite you, there's no better day than, than today to make that decision to follow him. All right, let's pray. God, we just thank you. We thank you for how you love us so much. I thank you for our people here at East Point. I know that you're moving here at East Point. We've heard so many only God can stories. We've seen how you have walked with our people, Lord. And I just pray that we continue to rely on you each and every step of the way. God, we love you so much. I also pray for our graduates. I know that they're at a crossroads in their life and so many decisions up ahead. I pray that they walk each of these steps with you by their side. Help them know that you love them, that you care for them. That you're there for them. Thank you again for all you do for us and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.